Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is the basketball series. You have joined episode 53. What a week it's been. A lot going on trade-wise, pro. So we have a lot to get through today. Bogues, I thought you were going to trade me to someone like some fucking 12th guy on the Simmons podcast, you know, and a player to be named later. But I guess I, I survived. That was you know, a breathe a sigh of relief. I'll tell you that. Oh, cash considerations. We're always listening. You know, yeah, cash 20, considerations. 28 bucks and a, and a gift card to Wendy's. By the way, did you see Orlando, the Orlando Magic uh, tweet? It's gold. That was fantastic. Awesome. Cash so highly, re- highly recommend go on their Twitter account. They um they they announced the trade and they just did a photo of a bucket of cash and said, "Here's our here's our announcement for the trade." <laughs> cash considerations. <laughs> welcome. Great. It's like welcome to Dal- uh, Welcome to Orlando. Cash considerations. Exactly. <laughs> Social media team at, in Orlando. You deserve a raise for that one. But no, uh, no. let's get stuck into. We'll get to the trade shortly, but as we do on a weekly basis, our team of the week. Bogues, I'm Bogues. I got you picked the same exact team, so let's just go through it. Uh, we we did we really? We, yeah, we thought this for the first time yet. We 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 matched up same team. Wow, the second one, the 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 week, the piss, the shitty shitty team. That's surprising. But anyway, my honorable mentions for really good teams of the week, obvious ones, Phoenix. Um, Dallas, Memphis, Utah, back on a roll after they got team of the, the piss week a couple of weeks ago. Um, Cleveland and Toronto, they're all honorable mentions. So for anyone firing up, but we have to, I had to go Boston Celtics. There's some people out there saying, give, give, just give some love for the Celtics and credit due. We, we've been smacking them a lot this season, up and down, helped to scout, a tough team to support, all that hoorah. But credit where it's due, seven straight, nine and one in their last 10. Now, there could be a bit of an asterisk on their wins pro, um, but you can only win what's in front of you and and they would generally, you know, lose some of these games and maybe, maybe go four and three or three and four. They last seven for their seven straight, New Orleans, Miami, Charlotte, Detroit, Orlando, Brooklyn, who are in all sorts, and Denver. So probably Miami, Charlotte, Denver, the three best wins in there, but you can only win what's in front of you. Um, schedule hasn't been the greatest, but like I said, yeah, we, we just, you just never have too much confidence in the Celts. They do have an easy schedule um, in in February and and January, um, but the, that schedule has put them back in the mix in the East, which is good to see. Tatum twenty five eight and four a night. Derek White acquisition is an interesting one. It, it provides to me, it provides much more consistency than Schroeder did. So I, I like it. Um, they they really didn't give up much to get him neither, and he can be a really useful piece. This is a guy that was on the USA team a couple of years ago and went to that World Cup. Um, so he's he's definitely not a not a, no slouch. So. Um, what are your thoughts, bro? I think that look, I've been an, as hard if harder on than Boston and anybody, and I think just they were they were bad to watch. Ball ball movement, lack of defense, lack of just caring. Now they missed a bunch of people with COVID and all that stuff. They're finally at full strength, and they look good. Like they, I, I gotta give it to them; they look good. They're fighting hard. You know, they didn't make any major trades, which is great. They didn't get rid of their like their core pieces. They added White, which gives them a little bit of a different dynamic, uh, a good ball handler, a more steady player, a good defender, uh, probably better in the locker room than Schroeder was. And I think it's a, I think they're pretty good. Uh, right now, they're, they're sort of getting up there. I think they're like seventh in the East. I mean, they were like left for dead like 10 or 11 about a month ago and now a few weeks ago. And now they're, they're sort of playing well. I, I got to give it to them. They're playing very well. Yeah, credit where it's due. So we'll, we'll see where that where that goes. Funnily enough, Jalen Brown, um, I don't remember when it was. It was maybe 15-odd games ago, put a tweet out saying, 
something along the lines of, all right, we're flicking the switch. The energy's cha- the energy's going to change now. We're going to get back on track. And credit to him, um, they they have been. They've been much better the last fifteen odd games. So I don't know what changed in that locker room. Whether it was one of those famous player only meetings, but Jalen Brown knew something we didn't because they've they've been really really good. Um, and like you said, you could say playing down to their competition, but the Celtics in November and December would have lost a lot of those games. So this is a step in the positive direction for you Celtic fans. Now, team of the week, team of the week that's been bad. Honorable mentions, usual suspects for me, Houston, Detroit, OKC, Portland, Washington still in there, Indiana. Charlotte is one that I almost put in there because Charlotte have just, whew, they've fallen from grace. They had a bit of COVID issues, they had a bit of injury issues, but no excuse to be this bad. They they have have made a, a small little tweak to their roster, which I think is a is a big help. Um, but for me, pro and and you are, it's the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, just an absolute shit show, and we've been we've been hard on them, and so we should. But three and seven in their last ten, they've only they've lost two straight for their streak. But just the way in which they've lost, you know, they've been down thirty in games, and then they'll have a fourth quarter where you're like, you know. It's the complete opposite and they fight back. It's like just a bit of consistency. It's just, it just looks horrible. Um, there's a, seems like there's a lot of locker room issues. And look, they don't really have an excuse right now, pro. They're close to healthy. We knew that they have an aging roster that's always going to have someone with arthritis or tendonitis or whatever you want to call it, right? Because it's, it's an older roster. Melo's been out the last couple of weeks, but for the most part, they're as close to healthy as they're going to get. Um, and they just they just can't seem that roster's just janky. I'm shocked they made no moves, but I'm not. I'm shocked they made no moves as in um, I thought they would have tried to do something to shake the roster up. But why I'm not shocked is because they got they really have no assets to move. Like who's 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 doing business with them? What are you you going to take Westbrook? You're going to take you know what I mean? Who are you going to take from that roster? They gave up a lot of their good assets. Literally walked out to, to other teams and signed Caruso and whatnot. So. You know, I think Kuzma was decent, so um, and he's having a great year uh, individually. Then you factor in—I mean, they've been very bad to watch. It's just—it's a hard basketball to watch, and, and they, they they play uh, Golden State a little bit later today after we stop recording. They could—they could go and win that game. That's how helter skelter they are. And then their season, I think it's back on track. But you factor that in now. I don't know if you saw Russell Westbrook's comments about why he's not playing playing as well because he said. Well, I'm not used to not playing minutes, and when I sit on the bench, my back tightens up. So now I'm injured, um, <laughs> which is the most passive-aggressive shit ever. It's like, dude, unless I'm playing more than 30, I'm not going to play well for you because my back tightens up, so I might as well just sit out. And then you top this whole cherry off, bro. Now, I thought this was an Onion article. I didn't think – I thought this was fake. I, I, I actually reposted a couple of days ago laughing about it because I thought it was someone just did a – Babylon B type um, Photoshop, but Genie Be- Genie Bust. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. That that message you sent in the group chat today that was real. Well, it's on it's on boardroom. I didn't even read it. I, I mean, I mean, I read it, but I didn't even. I've never heard of it. I thought you were just fucking with me. Are you serious? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, read it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's real. Like I, that, that's that's my point. I mean, Go it's ahead, on, let people know about it. I, I don't, I, cause yeah, I'm sorry. Unless boardrooms a piss take of a, of a social media. <laughs> I don't think it is cause they promote TV shows and movies and stuff. But for those not familiar, Jeannie bus to executive producer, 10 episode workplace comedy series based on the Lakers front office. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, do we need to say anything else? Like, it's like, I read that cause when I saw, I saw it as a screenshot. So I thought someone, someone had actually, you know, just screenshot it, but then 
it's actually shown up on a pretty reputable um, website. But anyway, let us know your thoughts on the Lakers, bro. Folks, I mean, come on. Like, it's been all year. Like, they're just not good enough. They can't, they're just not structured enough. They didn't build the team good enough to where it's going to be a winning entity. They, they hold the ball ISO, ISO, ISO. They can't guard anybody. LeBron's at an all-time high in, in some respects, right? And, like, in, he can't even do it. Like, he, they just don't play well together. There's no life. They could only, like, I said this about a month ago, six weeks ago. I didn't think they were going to be in the top 10. If Sacramento goes on a roll with, after this trade with Sabonis, they, they might be able to knock the Lakers out of 10, but I don't think so. But they just don't have any life. They don't, they, didn't, they don't seem like they're having fun. They can't beat anybody good for the most part. Like, they can only beat those bottom-tier teams. The mid-level teams, they could sort of compete with a little bit. And that's it. And I just don't – there's no life in this team. They got no chance uh, as far as competing. They will not get out of the play-in round if, if they even make it. And as far as from years to come, I don't see where the influx of talent is going to come. You're way over the cap with those three guys. That's not going away anytime soon. You don't have any young assets. The only young asset you could have traded to get Lowry, you, you wanted to keep because he thought he, you thought he was Oscar fucking Robertson and Taylor Houghton Tucker. Now you can't give him away. They, they offered him in a first-round pick to Boston for Josh fucking Richardson, which is crazy to me which you could have had Kyle Lowry for this kid. You could have had, you know, Buddy Hield for this kid, but you held it up because you thought he was going to be this great player, and he's not. And it's just, I don't see where they go. I agree with you. I don't, I don't see where this fucking gravy train's headed. Yeah, it doesn't have long left. I, I don't think it does. And I will watch that comedy series for an episode or two just to see if it's a, it might be reality TV, bro. It might not even be a series. <laughs> well, it's, it's been reality TV for a couple of years now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Davis looks disinterested through portions of games. Um, you know, their role players, some nights have a role that they know what their role is and some nights they don't. It just, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm lost for words. I thought they'd at least be somewhat competitive with a, you know, a fiery mean streak competitiveness. All right, they don't have the shooting and all that, but I thought they'd at least try to, jab back but it's like when they get hit they just they just falter and it's just it's just ugly to watch i mean i I probably might disagree with you that i think if they get in the plane i think there's so much incentive for them to get through i think in one game they might pull it off and we all know the lakers are a golden child for being in the playoffs so that could work in their favor but i don't think they deserve to be there to be honest with you i think they're you know for that 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 roster's a mess, um, and I'm just, just I don't know where to from here for for, for the Lakers. They just, um, it has been hilarious to watch, and and yeah, I mean, I just just continue to scratch my head at, at you know, and the problem is they're on they're on TV a lot, <laughs> so you have to watch them, you have to watch them because they're on TV at least in Australia on ESPN and whatnot. They're on they're, a lot of games are in LA, so we have to deal with watching that uh, watching that bullshit. But uh, let's move on to. The trades. So there's a lot. There's a lot of trades to get through. We're not going to break them all down in depth. I, th- I thought we'd just go through all all of them really quickly, um, and then the, we'll, we'll get stuck into maybe two or three of them. But um, from the last trade, it was San Antonio acquires Goran Dragic, first round pick for 2022, which is top 14 protected. 
23 top 13 protected and that turns to two second round picks if it doesn't um, eventuate. That was for Thaddeus Young and Drew Ebanks or Eubanks. That's a good one for our boy Jock to an extent um, because that was a, a guy that's playing in his position in, in Drew. But you have to remember Zach Collins is back from injury and they invested a lot of money in him. So I'm not sure that, that Jock will get a lot of those minutes that he deserves. I think he deserves to be in the rotation, but I think now with Collins coming off the bench, he's pipped um, Jock. So that, that that was just an interesting one to note there. Pro, any thoughts on that one? Uh, not much. I mean, it was just sort of they, they had a shed salary. Uh, not shed salary, but they just had a shed players in their roster. They, they're not going anywhere as a team, you know, San Antonio. And they, they get Dragic, who didn't play a minute for Toronto. Toronto gets a couple of players. They cut They cut Eubanks right away. I don't know what they're going to do with Thad Young. I mean, he's definitely could help you. But it was one of those trades that sort of rearranges the deck cheers of the Titanic. Really doesn't matter. Dragic gets to play a, little, a few minutes for San Antonio and, you know, as a ball, as a backup ball handler and things. So, yeah, it's one of those just nothing deals, you know? All right, next one, pretty standard. Um, Phoenix acquires Aaron Holiday. Washington acquires a bucket of cash. So nothing to discuss there, really. Um, Boston acquires 2022-23 second-round pick, which is top 55 protected for our guy, Bol Bol, to Orlando and PJ Dozier and a 2028 second round pick and cash considerations. This is just obviously salary cap smoothing for both teams. But your guy Ball Ball's in Orlando. He might get a chance next to Mo Bamba. Yeah, that, that'll be Elijah and Ralph Sampson all over again. So I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing that, actually. Now, this one was interesting. Okay, so Boston acquires Daniel Thice, who was in Boston many years ago, um, for Dennis Schroeder. Ennis Cantor, Freedom, and Bruno Fernando. So Boston not happy with Schroeder's role, and obviously they got Derek White as well, which we mentioned earlier. Um, this could be it for Ennis Cantor, Freedom, I think. Um, I, I don't know if Houston keeps him around, what they do there, but he could be, you know, he could be done after that. I'm not even sure if they've waived him already, but um, bringing Thice back in when they had a chance to sign him back in the day, um, pretty interesting pro. Yeah, they like him. They really like Thice and, you know, they're happy to have him. I think they wanted Schroeder out, and, you know, just because, you know, they just, I think they just got tired of it. And then Cantor, just, they really weren't using him. So I don't think that uh, Fenerbahce from Turkey is going to be uh, knocking down his door to play anytime soon. But, uh, <laughs> and then Fernando no, just ne- was never used. So, yeah, it was, again, one of those nothing, nothing deals. Like it just sort of, they even out financially. And then Thice is a, a player they can use. Just because of all the players they traded out, they needed the roster spots. They actually had five open spots at one time. So, I mean, he's a big guy that they trust, and he's been around, and he's a great guy. So it's good for them. And he'll play for him. He'll play for him. Horford's aging, so they get another stretch five that can shoot the three ball a little bit. So, And he fits in well with their system and, and their organization. So all right, this one was an interesting one. It came out of nowhere. Dallas acquires Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans for our guy, Christas Porzingis, we've discussed him at length numerous different times, and, and, and they also threw in a 2022 second-round pick. And he's protected um, to Washington. Did you did you have any sniff of this living in Dallas, Pro? I didn't. I got a call the night before and said they, uh, they were shopping him. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. To where? Like, who's taking the contract? And then my, now my dumbass, like, you know, every contract in this league for the most part, it's tradable. You can never say any contracts 
untradeable. I just didn't think they were going to get anything for him. And they ended up making this deal the next day. And I didn't really know any particulars. I didn't know team. I didn't know whatever. But they said that they were really actively looking to, you know, make this move. So I had no idea. I, I really didn't think it was going to get done. I just thought it was, a, you know, just sort of like, you know, bad information. But it ended up being, you know, ended up being a, a deal. Like for like, who wins this one? Do you think? You think Washington getting Puzingis? He's he can be the man on that team a little bit, or I mean, do you think the role like Dinwiddie, another ball handler, can put Luca off the ball a little bit if you want to, um, or when he's on the bench, you put it in Dinwiddie's hands a little bit, and then Bertans, really good, you know, really good three point shooter, overpaid for the most part, but a really, really, really good ratchet on him. Um, team for team, like for like, who wins? I think that oof, I think it's a tie. I really do, just because, well, all right, I'm not going to sit on the fence. I think Dallas wins because Porzingis can't stay healthy. Like, I think, I think Porzingis is a good player. I think that he got misused last year sitting him in the corner. We talked about that. I think he could be effective for you because he could, sc- you know, he could score in the post. You could pick and pop him. He's not a great shooter, but he's an okay shooter, really good mid-range player, uh, could make a three once in a while, athlete, could run. The problem is he can't stay healthy. They play better with Luca just handling the ball most of the time and, you know, either him or Brunson, and they don't have another guy that really holds the ball. And I think that they get Dimwitty and Bertans. It's just two players that, look, they need somebody because of Hardaway's out. They got another guy that could come off the bench or start. You know, they could put, I, th- I think Dimwitty's going to come off the bench, but like he's another guy who could score. He could handle the ball. He could do some things. Bertans can shoot. Funny, like he had a pretty good shooting career in. San Antonio, he hasn't really gotten it going since he's been in Washington. But I think they're two good players. The problem here for Dallas is they got to take on the salary. They don't really get off the money of Przingis. And I think they end up paying out a little bit more money overall in this deal that they would have if they just kept Przingis. And that's what it just goes to show you, Bogues. And I don't think anybody was against this deal when it just started with Przingis. I think everybody loved it. I loved it. As far as you know, Dallas not giving up anything and getting Porzingis, and I think that it just when you sign these deals and they don't end up working out, you're just gonna have to you're gonna have to end up paying the piper to try to get them out of town, and it just doesn't work. It just didn't work. I think they tried. I just think the overall the biggest problem for Porzingis, he just can't stay healthy, and that's a big problem. So, I think so if he's healthy, if he's healthy, you'd say Washington. If he he was had a healthy career, and you'd probably say Washington wins, right? But yeah, it's a fair. That's a fair one. How, how much is he going to play in Washington? There was a early on in in the life of Porzingis and Luca. There was a bit of a battle there for whose team it was. It was pretty obvious, but there was rumors about that. I think that that played a part as well. But um, I think it's I think it's a pretty good deal for both teams. Um, but yeah, if, I think if I agree, if, if if Porzingis stays healthy and can be the player that he you know, was was moving towards in New York and whatnot. They they win the trade, and that's a gamble that they're willing to take in Washington. Um, but if not, I think Dallas kind of like you said, risky. I mean, it's they're they're they're, they're losing a bit more money doing this deal. Bertans has a what some people perceive as a pretty bad deal. But yeah, we'll watch the space. I think it retools them. I think Dinwiddie was a good move in a way because of the Hardaway Junior injury. It puts another ball handler out there that can get his own bucket that can create for others. So I think um, when Luke is off the floor, because they, you know, I know they have Brunson, but they they do struggle at times with, with Luke off the floor to to create and score. Um, and let's not that balance. Yeah, and they might lose Brunson in free agency. I don't think they will, but there's a chance they could lose Brunson, and at least they have Dimwitty, and they still Insurance get Hardaway. Policy, yeah, yeah, and maybe yeah. they get rid of Hardaway at some point. But if they lose Brunson, 
At least you have Dinwiddie and Hardaway. If Brunson stays, I, I look to them to try to deal, you know, I try to get rid of uh, Hardaway's contract. I think he's got one more year after this one. And I think Bradley Beal is going to end up being the next guy to force his way out of town. So at least if they could keep Porzingis healthy, they get a guy who's a real, who's a good third option on a team that at least they have on their roster for at least another year, you know, and then they could, then his, his contract ends up going to be an expiring. So they could deal him if they want to, but if they could keep him healthy, he's a good 19 and eight kind of guy could, you know, block a shot here, here and there. Not a bad player. If you can keep him healthy. She would be number one option if Bill leaves, wouldn't he? What, you got Kuzma ahead of him? Oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying in general, he's like a, on a really good oh, team. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like a third option. Oh, no, yeah, he'll, he'll, be, be he'll be number one for sure. He'll be their yeah. first option. Yep. All right. So Washington also had moved Montrez Harold to Charlotte. Um, and they received Ishmael Smith, Vernon Carey Jr., a, a 23 second round pick, which is protected. But this was just a interesting one because they were just trying to get off Montrez at all costs. I guess they thought they'd be a potential fringe playoff team. They, they probably still are, but I mean, I thought Harold was good for him in, in stages, but it seems like he's starting to rub a lot of teams the wrong way with, with the kind of his antics and probably locker room. Um, but can help Charlotte. Gives them a, a nice energy boost off the bench. He had a, had a good first game for him and brought some energy for him, and that's what he does just as long as he can keep the, the mentals in check. I think um, decent deal for Charlotte. You know, helps their younger guys. Just You just hope he's not the wrong the wrong veteran for that locker room pro. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he definitely he definitely helps Charlotte for sure. What they're trying to do, get a tough guy who could who's got a little bit of skill to him, toughness, and he'd roll to the basket and give him some you know some decent play. But you're right, he's had he's had a reputation of not being a the greatest you know team guy and locker room guy. But hey, look, they got what they got, and see if they could sort of get it to work. No doubt. All right, we we spoke about Derek White briefly. So Boston got Derek White from San Antonio. Now they gave up a lot. There's a lot in this uh, trade, I guess you'd say. Josh Richardson, 2022 first round pick, top four protected. 2022, then it goes to the 20, 2023, which is top four protected and conveys to a 23rd second round pick, Romeo Langford, and a 2028 first round pick. So um, top one protected, San Antonio have right to swap. So they got back a lot. Draft-wise and long-term-wise, and this goes back into your mantra of you think that the Spurs are all-in rebuild at this point. Uh, they're, they're really going draft-heavy the next couple of years, and Boston also gets a very good player, I think an upgrade on Schroeder consistency-wise with Derek White. Thoughts? I, I, I totally agree. I think, San, I think San Antonio is just trying to shed salary, um, and – I think that they signed White. They liked him. He's a good young player, but they're really not going anywhere as a team right now. They're they're not even in the play-in. Um, they you know they they've obviously got Dejounte Murray, who's you know is a good player, all star, but they, they don't really have an, other pieces to put around them. They they you know they got Calder Johnson, who's decent, but like they don't really have other players. They're not really competing for playoff spots, and you know there's really. N- I don't think there's a huge bright future with their young core like they usually had where they would like just keep on rearranging players when they had Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, Kawhi. They don't really have that player anymore that they could build around and, and sort of get more assets to put around them. So I don't, I don't, and they're not bad enough where they're going to be a top two pick kind of team where they can get this great player through draft. So I like this deal for Boston. I think they don't really give up much except that first round pick. They're all in, you know, 
They didn't really give up much. Josh Richardson would have been an expiring contract. They would have got rid of anyway. Romeo Lankford hasn't done anything. He averaged four points a game. You know, I think he's he better brush up on his Rosetta Stone in Italian and Spanish because I think he'll be needed in the next couple of years. I don't think he'll be in the NBA much longer. And, you know, I uh, I think it's a good deal for Boston. Agree. Get a good young talent. Indiana, they acquired Jalen Smith. This was an interesting one. Um, they got off him, obviously, with, with, with more... Not more, not a whole lot of minutes there, I guess, in Phoenix. But they got off him. They moved um, Jalen Smith in a 2022 second round pick, and they gave up Torrey Craig. Now this is obviously an all-in push for a championship. They see Torrey Craig as someone who plays a vital role for him. Has been there before, familiar. They know what he's like. Actually played in the NBL a number of years ago as well. And by all accounts, of people I've spoken to, they loved him as a teammate, as an import here. So I think it's. A nice little tool up, uh, not a big name or anything like that, but a nice little role player for Phoenix to continue their push to try and get that elusive championship, bro. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you said. It was a decent trade. It wasn't any big time players or anything, but you know, I think it was. You know, Indiana gets an extra pick out of it. They're obviously like trying to change their sort of deal and trying to acquire picks and try to acquire assets to make moves later. You know, it's not a huge deal with this pick, but hey, they, they acquire a second and Jalen Smith is a decent player and, you know, Torrey uh, Craig is good for Phoenix. So, yeah, like I said, it's one of those rearranging the deck chairs of the Titanic. It's not a huge deal uh, type of moves, but it's a decent deal. Four-team trade, Detroit, Milwaukee, Sacramento, Los Angeles, Clippers. So Detroit acquires Marvin Bagley. Uh, it was no secret that he was unhappy in sack and he's got out of there. Milwaukee acquires a 23 second round pick, a 24 second round pick, which is sacks, cash considerations, and Sergi Bucker. That is an interesting one in itself because Brooke Lopez still is not back. Serge is somewhat healthy now and playing, provides a stretch fire for him that can defend the rim, which is what Milwaukee likes next to Giannis, especially in, in, in stretches of games, someone that can shoot the three ball and provide defensively. So, Decent move for Milwaukee as far as that goes. Uh, the Clippers acquire Vanya Marinkovic, Rodney Hood, and Sammy Ojale. Um, don't know much about Marinkovic, but the other two, not too bad. Rodney Hood, man, no, that's, a, that's a story in itself. Going from, from a very vital role and great player in Utah to just can't find find a home, um, which, is, which is interesting. Sacramento acquires Trey Lyles, Josh Jackson, DiVincenzo, and David Michanau, Michanu, um, don't know much about him, but uh, really a lot of the biggest name in that is Marvin Bagley uh, and Sergi Barker, obviously, but Marvin Bagley is a big name in, in all of that. Detroit gets a little bit younger again um, with another inexperienced player, so they're trying to build a, a young core there. It'd be interesting to see how he goes. But anything, anything pressing from that lot, Pro? No, not really. I mean, I think that Bagley gets a new home and trying to, you know, try to rekindle his career. I think Detroit just said, hey, look, you know, we're at the stage. We're not good. We're, we're one of the worst teams in the league. There'll be minutes for them. See what we got. We'll kick the tires, see if it's worth anything. They didn't lose anything in their trade. Um, I think that the Clippers don't really get anything except, you know, I've heard that they had some issues with Ibaka behind the scenes, just sort of high maintenance and, you know, frustration through the injury stuff. And so they, they, they don't really get a lot in it. I don't think many of those players are going to help them. I think they're building for the future anyway. And then Sacramento, uh, the only guy that I really like, I used to like Trey Lyles. I don't know what really happened to him. But uh, Dante D, uh, DiFincenzo, the big ragu, they called him in Milwaukee. 
I like him. He's actually a pretty good player, a uh, good defender, you know, solid player, knows how to play, got some juice, good ball handling. Heard a fair bit there, all right? He's, he's had some injury battles, yeah. Who's that? He's had some injury yeah, issues. He has. The, yeah. yeah, he has. But, hey, look, Sacramento, for Sacramento, the deals they were made, they, they've made, obviously, the big ones, Sabonis. They need guards. They got 27 fucking sentence. But, um, <sighs> you know, it's good to have a guard that could actually play if they could keep him healthy. Josh Jackson, you know, look, he's bounced around from his Phoenix days. I've heard he's had a lot better career as far as, you know, being a pro. I don't think he's I don't I don't really expect him to stay, but maybe, maybe he does. But I think I think D, uh the big ragu was probably the the one player that Sack wanted in this. And look, Milwaukee gets a um yeah, those back surgeries, you know how those back issues are, Bogues they're they're really tr- yeah, they're really tricky. So at least they get a little bit of insurance and they could play a Baca. I like Lopez better. I think he's got more in the tank, but you just never know with that stuff. So. Decent insurance policy, though. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, he's been on a championship team, too, so hopefully he can provide a bit of that stability for him. All right. Um, Cleveland acquires Karis Levert, 2022 second-round pick, which is a Miami pick, and Indiana acquires Ricky Rubio, who is obviously out for the season. This is a, a straight salary shed and a bunch of picks, uh, 22, 20, 22 first-round pick, 22 second-round pick, and 27 second-round pick. So Indiana acquires some picks in the draft. Um Coming into into this offseason and Cleveland acquires a, a legit, you know, scoring creating threat and, and he had a great impact in his first game already, made some big buckets for him. So I think a decent pickup for, for Cleveland. They've got enough young pieces where I thought they could they could bring in another guy to help him with some ball handling duties, pro. I really like this for Cleveland for sure. I like it for Indiana a little bit as well. I, I mean, I don't know what Rubio's gonna do if he could, you know, I don't know even how much he'll play next year. He's expiring anyway. I don't really expect him to resign him. They're trying to go younger there. They get a pick out of it, you know. Even though it's not a lottery pick, it's going to be a, a non-lottery, you know, it's protected pick and a couple of seconds out of it. But Levert really adds another, a sort of another scorer, another ball handler that that Cleveland can use. They've they've been very good this year. They could they could challenge to get to a conference final if they do everything right. I don't know if they'll get there, but maybe they can win a round. But I think they've done a great job there. They just add another weapon. They didn't really look. They lost Rubio for the year. He was dead weight as far as on the cap. You might as well turn them into something. And then Indiana was trying to just get off salary. They were trying to get off players and trying to go younger and uh, you know acquire picks. I think it's good for both sides. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's one of those ones you look at where you're like, hey, this kind of makes sense for both teams. So that doesn't happen too often in NBA trade world, but good on those two teams. Then we move on to Indiana again. Indiana acquires Tyrese Halliburton. Now, this was controversial. Um Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson. Sacramento acquires Sabonis, as you just said, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and a 23-second round pick. Nobody had Halliburton on the hot seat to get moved. Very, very interesting. It was rumored to be, you know, um, potentially Fox, potentially someone else, but they a lot of people speak very highly of, of this kid around the league. And what is going on, Pro? Have you heard something that that someone someone out there doesn't know? Because he seems like he'd be a good piece to to somewhat keep around. Yeah, my the people that I talked to that sort of knew what was going on with the deal is look, they liked Halliburton a lot. There was no problem at all, but they needed him. They like as far as where they've been in the last few years, like what the last fucking decade. Let's be honest, but like they've been a losing team. It hasn't worked. They had to just change things up, and they wanted to put a big man that could really play. That's an all star player. They wanted an all-star period with the, with Fox and to put those two guys together. And that's what they did. And they liked Halliburton. 
they really did. They thought he could have been an all-star. You know, um, he could shoot. He could do a lot. He could handle the ball. But not a great defender, but he's a good player. I just think that they, from what I've heard, they wanted to acquire an all-star. They wanted to win the press conference. They wanted to at least make a splash, change things up a little bit. Um, I heard Buddy Hill was a pain in the ass. They didn't want to, he didn't like his role, so they wanted to deal him out of town anyway. But they really like Sabonis. And as you saw what he did the other night, I think everybody averages a triple fucking double when uh when they get traded to their new team. I think everybody, the first t- game you play with a new team, <laughs> it's a you win the game and you have a triple fucking double. I've never seen a, a guy lose after getting traded. But anyway, I think he's good. I think he's good for them. He changes it up. He's a solid player, solid vet. Now he's older. Halliburton, you know, he's got this big contract. Not a huge contract, but he's got a decent one. Nine to 18 and a half million. Halliburton's still on his rookie deal. So Indiana now shed some salary with this, I believe. Although they took on Buddy Heald. He's got... Buddy Heald's on 22. Yeah, yeah, 22 million. But they, like with Carlisle... They lose Tristan though. Tristan expires, right? Yeah, they, they expires, right. But with Carlisle, look, he's a big time offensive coach. He needs shooting. They didn't have shooting. They played two centers at once with, you know, with Turner and, and, and Sabonis. You give Carlisle shooting in space to floor and they could sort of, they still don't have great players in their team. But look, Halliburton's a young guy. They got under his rookie deal. They could have long term if they want. He'll be a restricted free agent. He could, they could control the whole deal with him, you know, keep him for another four years on, on a new extension or five years in an extension. Um, I, I, Look, I understand why Sack did it. I don't think that Halliburton's, I don't think he's magic fucking Johnson or anything, but he's a good player. He's a good young player. But Sacramento's going nowhere. The circle and the fucking drain. They need to do something. And I'm not in love with it, but Sabonis is a really good player. He's a professional. He's tough. I don't know how much of a winner Fox is, but at least you've got a guy with him. They've still got Harrison Barnes. You know, they, they still got a couple of players. Mitchell, the young kid. But I don't like everybody was killing this deal, folks. I don't think it was terrible. I, I guess think- it's the unknown. It's yeah. the unknown of not knowing what, what Halliburton's going to be yet, because it's very, very early in his career and it's very, very early in his journey. So I think the people are worried that a killing sack for it. Like, what if in two years he's, you know, an all star or whatever? Right? I think that's probably you know you've gone for a known all star commodity to someone who could be even better than that down the track. And that's 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 the risks GMs and organizations and owners take and coaches take is like we want a bit more stability now and we're going to risk that this guy is not as good as, you know, he's going to be, right? And that, that's just the reality of, of the NBA. But, you know, Sabonis definitely provides him with a presence in the paint. I think he'll fit in very, very well in that pick and roll with De'Aaron Fox. Like Sabonis is very, very, very good with guards that can come downhill at the same time and kind of that short half roll and shooting those little flip shots and, and getting in the paint. I think he does a very, very good job, very, very underrated in that skill, and that's where he gets a lot of his buckets. So I think um, I think it's good, and I know Justin Holiday real well, great teammate. I think they can use another guy like that next to his really good friends with Harrison Barnes to stabilize that locker room with some good, cool heads. And, um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's good for Sack. Um, as long as Halliburton doesn't end up being a top 15, top 20 in, in, in three or four years' time because then they're going to cop even more shit looking back. But they, they have to do something. They're in that position, like you said, decade, I'd say almost two decades of just mediocrity almost. So they need to get on with it. They need to get that that new arena filled, filled up and people cheering and chanting. All right, so Portland was pretty busy. 
Uh, we touched on – I don't think we hit this. This happened like a day after we dropped our pod last week. But first of all, they they acquired a 2026 second-round pick from New Orleans, Josh Hart, Nikola Alexander-Walker, Thomas Sadoransky, 27 second-round pick, 22 first-round pick, um, New Orleans pick top four, and Didi Lazada, former Sydney King, for Tony Snell. Um, yet to, I think he hasn't missed a free throw in five years. He's probably <laughs> shot four of them, but that's – Story of another day, Larry Nance Jr. and CJ McCollum um, to New Orleans. So New Orleans shores up a bit of a, an offensive presence there with McCollum. Larry Nance Jr., a very good intangibles guy, can do a lot of different things for you and be kind of that active defender, offensive rebounds, loose balls that every team needs. And Tony Snell, a really good feed set three-point shooter. Um, and Portland just trying to get away from from CJ and salary, really. It's not so much they didn't want CJ, they're, just, they're in a point where you know, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if teams out of there in the off season, they got to blow that thing up. They got to rebuild. So that segue then into our guy Joe Ingles. Um, the day a day later, so Elijah Hughes and Joe Ingles in a twenty-two second round pick go to Portland. San Antonio get Sadoransky, who was by New Orleans the day before, a twenty-seven second round pick, and Utah acquire Nikola Alexander Walker and Juan Hemen Gomez. Um, what are your thoughts around all that? I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty cut and dry. It's, uh, I mean, I know Joe was, Joe was pretty disappointed. Um, he did make comment when he first did his uh, knee that you know if Utah wants to move me, I, I'm all for it. So they can try to make a push with someone that's actually healthy and make a. But then he also said that once it happened, it hurt because it actually happened. He didn't think it was going to happen that quickly, and they they got him out of there quick after that injury and. Um, I think it always hurts no matter how, how tough you talk or how much you say, oh, you know, I hope the team makes the right decision for the team. Whenever you get that call, it sucks. And, um, I, you know, he's, he's obviously a free agent. I'm not sure if he even reports to Portland or how that all works or what those conversations are like. Um, there are rumors that they are in contact with him and want him to be around that group, that young group, and be that, that veteran for him. But whether he does his rehab there is, is yet to be seen. But what do you think about – Portland's moves and and do you think um, this pushes New Orleans out of a plane potentially to fringe playoff? Yeah, I think right now they're 10, if I'm not mistaken. I got to check on it. But, I mean, I think it definitely moves them into once McCollum gets his legs under him and, you know, because he's coming back from that collapse long anyway, so he's still trying to work his way in. I think Larry Nance is out for the year and Snell hasn't really played. Um, I think it helps New Orleans a lot. I think it, it just gets another player you know, they could put with Zion, and I think that would be a nice little group if Zion could ever get healthy, knock on wood. Um, but I think with Portland, I think they're going to end up signing, I think they're going to end up signing Dame Lillard, folks, to that Supermax contract. I really do. Um, Who's that? I, I, I think for him, he's going to get huge money. For them, they get they got a guy that, look, I've heard that they're going to sell the team. I've heard that the... Um, Paul Allen's uh, widow is going to sell the team. It's in a trust. I think he's going to sell it. They're going to sell it. I think that if, look, I agree it's going to be a bad contract for them because they can't win. But for them, too, if you're trying to sell the team and you have absolutely nothing to sell, like as far as like no assets on your roster, I think that they're going to look at $60 million or whatever. He's still pretty young. And I think that you sign him. Look, like I said, they're not going to win games. It's going to be too hard. But if they shed enough salary, you know, I think players are going to want to play with them. So I think you might be able to get anybody. The problem, Bogues, is that there's no real free agents out there. You know, there's not going to be any great free agents that you could sign anyway. 
So it'll be interesting what they do, but I think they're going to end up signing Dame Lillard, in my opinion. The moves that they made, whatever, like a lot of people gave them shit because they really, I, I, they liked uh, Alexander Walker that they got from New Orleans and they ended up basically dealing them for Joe Ingles, which is basically an expired contract. Elijah Hughes is just an average player. And then they get that second round pick. And then for Utah, I really like it for them because they acquired two good players that could sort of help them off the bench and you know, two pretty young guys. And then I don't know what San Antonio is going to do with Sedaransky, but, um, and then that second round pick. But I think, I do think, Bogues, I think, I really do think that Dame Lilly will end up in Portland. I do. It'll stay long term. Yeah. Well, it makes sense if they're selling the team, they better have an asset to sell it with. So that, that makes total sense. If, for those that aren't familiar, if you ever want to go to sell a team, you want to at least have a max or a superstar or a name to be able to sell to, to someone else buying that team. So that, that makes total sense. Um, so we'll watch that space. And, Miami acquired basically a second round pick for KZ Akpala, which really is no offense to him or them, but really a nothing deal. But I want to leave this one till last. Philadelphia 76ers, worst kept secret. It actually happened. James Harden and Paul Millsap um, are, are going to Philly. Um, Brooklyn has acquired Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, a 22 first round pick, unprotected right to defer until 23. And a 27 first round pick, which is top eight protected. Um, 28 top eight protected conveys to a 29 second round picks and $2 million if not used. So really, really interesting that they gave up Seth as well in this one. Um, I think I think Brooklyn did okay. I mean, I know I know James is, you know, you have him as top 10, top 15. Millsap, uh, I don't doubt he plays that much for Philly, but at least gives them a backup, probably more to the five spot for um, losing Drummond. You know, they lost a big, so at least they got a big in return. But yeah, the Seth, the Seth one helps Brooklyn, I think, providing more shooting around KD if KD gets healthy. Um, and Kyrie if he can play home games. So they've got a lot of a lot of ifs on that on that squad. But what are your thoughts around it? Um, do you think do you think there's a winner in this trade? I think both won. But here's my my thought on it. I thought Brooklyn completely blinked. I thought that look, folks, like this fucking league is crazy. Everybody's jumping ship. Right? Look, I, you don't really know. We don't really know because we're not there. We don't. We we didn't deal with James Harden all year. We don't know how happy or not happy he was to be there. All I do know is this: on January twenty first, okay, what a few weeks back, they're twenty nine and sixteen. Even with the whole Kyrie thing, I think he just came back. You know, he can play, you know, not, he can't play in Brooklyn, but he can play most other places. 29 and 16. Doing really well. First in the East. No one was talking about there being a fucking problem. You know, you got all these people who read fucking John Gordon books and stuff. And, you know, Mr. Oh, you know, when adversity hits, we're, we're, we got culture and this and that. And then you go, you get a problem with Durant getting hurt. Harden starts getting a little disgruntled. Irving, you know, was in and out, and then you lose nine and ten in a row. And now you've got to make a trade. My thing is, like, and I talked about it last week in the pod, Philly needed them on this. They needed them. I don't understand why they didn't just go the whole year, play this out. Durant comes back in a couple, a few weeks. After All-Star break, he'll be back and play this out. They had a, a great chance, even with Irving, you know that whole mask mandate thing is going to be over. Like either playoff time or next year, it's going to be over. 
why not try to make a run for the playoffs, run to the championship, try to keep this guy happy. And if it doesn't work, that same trade, in my opinion, would still be there. Like even with him expiring. Well, he's got a, he's got the one he's got the option. He's got the, the player option. So he opts out. He can just walk then to Philly, can't he? He could walk, but Philly can't acquire him through free agency. So the only two things that you can do, basically, is say, like, work it out this way. Either say, look, you know, James, let's just let's roll it back one this year. If it doesn't work, you want to be out. We'll trade you to Philly. All right, we'll trade you to Philly. Or like you could trade him or you could trade him to like, yeah. I mean, what, what, that same trade is going to be there. Daryl Morey would give up anything in his life for that guy. I mean, James Harden is his Michael Jordan. It's his LeBron James. It's his, you know, it's his Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You name the player, Kobe Bryant. That's his guy. He would do anything to acquire him. Now, I like the fact that Brooklyn got Curry and, you know, Curry, you know, Drummond's okay, and they got some picks out of it. They, they got more than you thought they were going to get. I, th- I would have held out for Thibel, and I would have held out for Maxi. I would have held out for those two guys. I wouldn't have taken the picks. I would have been hard on it because Philly needs this to work. Now, kudos to fucking Daryl Morey. He held out for what he wanted. And he didn't waver, didn't, you know, he didn't care about clutch sports or anything else. Dealing Ben Simmons when he wanted to deal him. He, he was going to keep him and let him rot there until he got James Harden. He didn't give a fuck. And I, he, like, he's a gangster. He is a complete fucking gangster because he, like, everywhere, like, when he was in Houston, he went after superstars. I'm not saying he's a perfect GM. He's never been in the, he's never been in the finals and all that. But. He's gone off to superstars every step of the way, getting James Harden, going after Paul Gasol and Carmelo Anthony when they were still in their prime, you know, almost getting those guys and then going after all, you know, getting, you know, getting Dwight Howard and doing all that. Like he, that guy goes after what he wants to. He didn't give up the farm to get this kid. He got James Harden. He, you know, deals Simmons who didn't want to be there. And then Seth Curry, who's a shooter. He's good. And those two picks that aren't really worth anything. And then Drummond, obviously, is big, but not that big. And he gets to put two superstars together and see what they can do with him. He's got a good coach. He's got his two guys that he wants. And look, the deal itself, Bogues, is a, another black mark for the league. It's just like James Harden. James Harden, like, no one really knew he wasn't happy until like a week ago anyway. But the Ben. Yeah, that's what's hilarious about it. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. And we'll talk about the other stuff I know you want to talk about with both those guys. But like, both those guys didn't want to be there. So, you, hey, you both win. Brooklyn gets a young kid. I don't trust the kid, but he is a talent. He's a big time talent. He could put with Durant. Um, you know, if, if Irving's there long term, they got him. You know, and then they got you know they got a couple other decent pieces there, and they could still make a run. I still think Bogues that that Brooklyn blinked, and I would have held this thing together because look, twenty nine and sixteen three weeks ago, everybody was talking cha- them or Milwaukee you know, for representing the East in, in, in the championship. Like, there was no problem. Yeah, the Irving thing was a pain in the ass, but there was no problem even with that Irving deal going on. And now all of a sudden, because there's a little bit of a fucking problem and they lost a few games in a row, 10 in a row, it, it's not great, but you can't salvage it with Durant coming back and him and then Irving's probably going to play the playoffs, if not play a full year next year. 
And then you gave up the whole fucking franchise anyway to get these three guys. That was your whole thing a year ago, two years ago, when you were getting this team together with Durant, Irving, Harden. And you you gave up Allen. You gave up Levert. You gave up, I mean, Dimwitty. You gave up all that to get these three guys together. And now one guy's unhappy. This is why the league is fucking crazy. And that's the blueprint of the league, both. If you don't, if you want to get traded to a certain place and you're a superstar, have it out there that I'm not going to re-sign with anybody else except this team. So go ahead, trade all your assets to get me because I don't give a fuck. I am going where I want to go. And that's just how the league is. And that's crazy. Yeah, it is. And they, you know, they, um, I guess the reports were that James Harden literally just went cold on everyone, stopped talking to guys. Um, that's what was reported. They, you know, they knew something was wrong because it was a passive aggressiveness of not engaging with teammates and, and not 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 talking to KD or Kyrie and all that kind of stuff. So that's when they that's the only reason they knew something was wrong and and why these why these deals started being discussed a little bit more. But yeah, it just it just sucks. It's not great for the optics of it. You don't blame James Harden to an extent because. He structured his contracts in a way where he has all the leverage. It seems like every couple of years he has all, all the leverage. And, you know, I don't condone what he did in Houston. I don't condone what he's done here. But it's a, he's, he's somewhat playing by the rules. The NBA is appeasing this and allowing this to continue to happen. It's the same as what we said on the call in um, a couple of hours ago where, you know, the Ben Simmons thing, it's like he signed a five-year deal and the first year he wants out. Regardless of the circumstances that ensued about, you know, his, his teammates turning their back on him, whatever, it's a very slippery slope, and, and it will it will turn into there'll be there'll be rule changes. I don't know what they are. There will be something. Rest assured. But touching on Ben Simmons, um, how much longer will be out for mental health, bro? Uh, about thirty more minutes until his fucking until his <laughs> until his physical comes in. I I think that's a complete laughable fucking joke. To be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're not – and look, to be clear, for the bedwetters that will get mad, we're not condoning, no. you know, right on people that have mental health. Um, I mean, pros questioning whether whether that was just used as an excuse to get him out. But he's in a tough spot now because, you know, you got to set the over-under on a couple of weeks at least because you don't want to come back tomorrow because everyone's going to know that, you know, now you're a liar as well. Um, and you don't want to wait too long before you start playing again because you haven't played in so long. So, so well, he's put himself in a bit of a corner there, but – yeah. I don't think he does. I think that everybody forgets folks. I think everybody forgets. All they care about is getting him on the court. And no one's going to remember that he had mental health issues. That's all they want to do is get him on the court. Look, they use it as a they use it as a, a as a tool to get him out of there, you know, to make him feel bad for him and have the whole media sort of that that whole deal just try to swing their way. They did that. It didn't work. Because they didn't really deal him, they dealt him for other reasons. Because they got their guy, but no one's gonna care that he he lied he lied about this. No one's gonna care. They're just gonna say, "Hey, Ben Simmons is gonna play," and that's all they care about. No one's yeah, gonna I don't know. That. You got to be careful because you know I, you know we we know a lot of average people out there think that athletes and celebrities use mental health. It's like, hey, I got caught cheating on my wife um, with you know five pay for plays or I've got mental health issues. You know, you're, you're just like, it's it's just, oh, I, I said something silly, uh, I've got mental health issues, you know, so we got to be real careful because it takes away from from people that truly have problems, right? People that truly need help and then they're scared to come out because now it's being belittled of like, yeah, right, you do, like just like everyone else. So it's, it's a slippery slope. I, I think it's going to, I'm going to be interested to see how that all goes now. One thing I'll, I'll say is I think for, for him to, 
for him to play a lot there and for be to be the most useful, I think he's going to have to buy into playing the five for some stretches, pro. I really do. I think um, with the way Nash plays, he doesn't like playing big as it is. If you've got everyone healthy on that roster and you've got Katie at the three four to create mis- mismatch problems, maybe you put him at the four. I, I don't know if you put you know first also. Bruce Brown, he's, he's now not going to – he can't play with Ben in the lineup. So you, you, he loses his minutes. His role is going to be diminished severely by getting Ben Simmons. Um, they have Patty and Seth who are going to find huge roles with shooting the ball. But I think for them to be their most successful, Ben's going to play the five. And he despises playing the forward or the center spot, right? He despises it, hates it, hates being called five, hates being called a four. He's a point guard or a shooting guard or a small forward. Whatever. I think point guard is, is more of a point forward whatever. But – I think he needs to buy in and play in the five. Whether he can do that with this time off and the mental health stuff and maybe refining himself and his chakra and all that kind of stuff, I think for their best opportunity, they're those lineups that are, you know, not crunching time lineups are, are with him at the five. That's how I see it. I just don't see, you know, who else you put in there, Claxton or Millsat, right? It's, I think that's the way they have to go with, with KD healthy and, does he buy into it? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't, he really, when I was around him that small amount of time, he, he despised being called a, a forward or a center, you know? Folks, you know what would be funny? If he comes back and says, I'm not playing. I'm not playing. I'm, I'm sitting out until this is getting rectified. I'm not playing center. And what if he sits out another <laughs> of game? No, 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 no. No, but I'll be honest. Like, I don't think he, like, the one good thing about this, and I think when we talked about it on the call-in about JaVel McGee, right? When now he had some major adversity with this whole had to sit out the whole year, you know, half the year with Philly. I don't think he really has a lot of power left and leverage left. And like I told you, like Rick Carlisle once told me in the NBA, it's all about having leverage. I don't think Simmons has, he's got some leverage because he like they traded Harden for him. But like he's always had this bad perception. As, he, he has this bad perception as it is. I think he's going to buy in. I really do think he'll be on his best behavior and buy in for at least this season. And then if he's going to turn into a pain in the ass, he'll turn it into a next year, especially if he's got some success, especially if he's got some playoff success. And, but I think he'll buy in or whatever. And I agree with you. I think he's got to play some, some five just because of the shooting, just because of how Nash likes to play, just because of how that's constructed. I think that the, he's going to have to play some five and some stretches. I do agree with you. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a no-brainer um, and just a matter of whether you're buying. I think their lineups will be tough too. Like it would be a tough lineup. You have, they've got enough length to switch one through five with Ben at the five and Katie at the four and then those three guards or, or three shooters. I think that's a really tough lineup to match up with. So it could cause some problems. But does James Harden's hamstring heal on the flight over to, uh, to, to Philly? Yeah, I think that goes down the toilet bowl with uh, with the mental illness deal, don't you think? I think they, I think they got both got traded in the deal. Uh, they both got traded <laughs> yeah. in the deal. The, but no, I, I don't think. I, I, I think it's the same thing. I think yeah, that, he's good. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be good to go. All right, Philly versus Brooklyn in the playoffs is what every man and his dog will want to see. Um, you don't usually see teams, by the way, that would be competing potentially in the conference finals or or a second round trade this late in the season and you, you don't see in division teams and conference teams generally. Um, does Ben play on the road, Pro? Hmm. Folks, I think in the last- <laughs> Yeah, it should be yes. Folks, yeah, should be. <laughs> the last 30 years, I don't think that a guy that got traded 
like from a team that they've been there long term has played the next game against that team. It's always a, like an, a mysterious illness, injury, blah, blah, blah. It'll be interesting when they play. Um, they play, if they play in the playoffs, though. You got, you, yeah. got, you got what? Oh, I thought you were talking Brooklyn. about the next game. Yeah, so. Nah, uh, playoffs. Playoffs. So who do I have? Or do, does Ben play? No, does, it, does Ben play? Does Ben play on the road? Hey, <laughs> I cannot wait. I wish, I hope TNT has a cam that just has that old guy with the fucking blackboard in Philly that what he says to Ben Simmons on that fucking board. That'll oh, be hilarious. Man. Oh, that's not going to be the worst of it. The worst of it's oh. going to be just just the verbals you hear from. Oof. That's going to be a hostile environment. That's that going to be, be yeah, they're going to have to have numerous different sport track cameras all around the arena for that one because that's going to be a hostile, hostile environment. So if that if that happens, I, I know Ben's probably praying to God that uh, <laughs> they don't face uh, don't face Philly. What about Harden in, in Brooklyn? What about no? Nah. What do you think? They don't think they did. They give a fuck. Nah. No, Brooklyn crowd. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. This ain't New York. I, I, I felt, yeah, I felt the Brooklyn crowd was was pretty, pretty, pretty quiet and tame and fair weather. And yeah, um, they're all Nick fans that have converted because it's either their close arena or they're still Nick fan at heart. So I don't think they really have that passion about it. Really, in my opinion, um, it might have changed since I was there, but they just it just doesn't seem like it's a. They'll, they'll care too much. They might get he'll, he'll get booed. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, but. I think that Philly environment is going to be in absolute insanity. So, um, hopefully, I, I want to see it. I, I hope they play each other in the first round because the way Brooklyn record is, if Katie doesn't come back soon, they'll be they might even fall into a play in the way they're going. So they might have to come. You know, Philly ends up being a, a one, two, three. Um, you never know. So we'll watch that space. Mark Stein on his Substack, and this is what we've spoken about previously. He's quoted as saying, "Teams out there already." Um, owners and officials and, and and teams determined to explore the feasibility of working new salary sanctions into the next CBA to, I guess, deter another highly compensated player from taking Harden's lead and essentially going on strike like he did twice in the last 15 months to force his way to a new team. Um, I mean, we both agree they have to do something. It's a matter of what do they do, but it is going to be an issue. I'm interested to see how... Play Association takes to this um, because this wasn't even an issue, you know, two, three CBAs ago. Um, now, this is some leverage that the Players Union gets to maybe, you know, I'm making this up, rot, you know, make salaries higher, get more BRI. I don't know. But this is another thing now that is on the table. We know, you know, this can't continue this way. It can't continue that you can walk out of a, a five-year deal one year in for whatever the circumstances, right? Um, but you can just walk out. So they, they got to do something. I've, I've spoken about at length that a guy like Ben Simmons who signed a, a five-year deal with Philly and he got that bonus probably 10 to 15% for signing with his home team, maybe he gives that up if he asks for a trade. Um, he shouldn't take that with him then because he's not with that same team. Maybe maybe there's a 20% penalty. Maybe it goes down with each year you're there. Um, but like, like I said on the call in back, the back in my day rant was – most guys that sign five-year deals would at least give it a fair shake for three years. And then maybe in the fourth year, they'd ask for a trade if shit was still bad at the, at the club or they wanted to wanted to move on to greener pastures. Um, but this, you know, asking for it in your first and second year of a five-year deal when you're the max guy, that should be frowned upon. And I'm glad that the league's looking into a pro, but I guess it, come, it begs a question for me to you is, what can they do to change it? Folks, this is a, as everybody knows, it's a very delicate situation. And I think that the, what the players are going to bounce back with is well, what about the teams if they've forced to play a guy? 
like if they don't play a guy. I'm sorry, not forced to play a guy, but they refuse to play somebody. So what do you mm. do with that situation? What do you do with John Wall? It's a much smaller sample size That's with those, true. but yeah, it's a fair point. Very fair point. I think it's probably what, 25 30% goes that way, the rest goes the other way. Yeah, I think with these max deals, I think with these max, super max, max, whatever you want to call them, all these max deals, there should be some type of sort of the league has to get involved where you, you know, arbitration, like you said, look, they could buy each other out. Like if, if the player wants out and the team wants them out, they both can turn their key and say, we negotiate a buyout or what have you. But the problem is, and just like we were talking about with like all these teams wanting to acquire Harden or what have you, but they know if they got him, he probably wouldn't resign, opt out, and then leave. So if you lose a guy like this, you acquire him through free agency trade, what have you, and he leaves like that and wants to leave in the middle of the contract. Like, what's the compensation? And like you said, you could you could throw back money. It could be it could be twenty percent. You know, like a negotiated buyout where you know where it has to be a negotiated in the contract already. So if you go to arbitration, it's going to be this, and then the, the new team. To my opinion, like if I'm okay, so 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 if I'm. Um, Brooklyn and and Harden just tells me two years into the deal I'm out or a year into the deal I'm out like if I'm Brooklyn and I spent all these resources to get him and then he just wants to walk well yeah I want I want 20% of the money back or 30% of the money back maybe even half the money back um or or the league says look he buys out you know I don't know what to do because like there's still salary cap implications he's still on your cap does that money just erase um, the new team that signs them? I think they got to give you at least two to three first round picks, two first round picks and a pick swap at least. Like if it's James Harden and, and like this guy just wants to leave and thank like in a way, thank God that Philly came here with the trade, you know, that you could, they could have traded him for something because he could have walked this year. All of a sudden, like I said, 29 and 16 a month ago, now he wants to leave. And he opts out and you get nothing. A lot of these times they, they could just walk on these opt-out deals. It's not just going to be simple as a sign and trade. And if it is a sign and trade, it probably won't be a lot anyway. You get back. So I think you're going to have to get maybe a buyout. Like it's like Europe, like where the, where the player can get out, but he'll owe you $10 million or something like that. So like he's off your books. He gives you $10 million or $15 million, three first-round picks and whatever. But I don't know how they're going to really deal with this because it's really tough, folks. Can't really force a guy. The guy could say his back or his hamstring hurts, and that, you know, like it's it's ugly. It's ugly. They need like, to figure something out. They need to because, like I said, you know, most 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 of these most young kids now follow a player rather than a team. But there still are a lot of people that follow teams. It's getting harder and harder um, to follow because, like I said, on the call in, you you're an all in supporter for let's say the Utah Jazz as a prime example, and you're like. I'm going to buy my kid a Donovan Mitchell jersey, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, this kid's only going to be here three or four or five years and he's going to get out and then go to New York or LA. It's it's kind of a tough pill to swallow, right? And it'd be, you know, it's nice, the old school mentality of a, a guy sticks it out for the most part um, with, with a team that's a star and he's there 10 years and gives it a fair shake for a championship, but super teams have killed that. Um, and it, it just, I don't know if that's better for the game or worse. It's, it's debatable either way. And I, I just don't think that, you know, it's just not fair to these teams that, that draft the right way, they make the right decision, they invest all the money, and and then a guy just gets up and leaves anyway. Um, 
It kind of sucks. So they got to do something. I don't think there's an easy fix. I think it's going to be a bit of a negotiation. Maybe the trade kickers work both ways, like you said. Maybe a player can have a trade kicker, so can a team. The moment you come to us and say, I want out, here, cool. Sign this document that's saying you want out, 15% comes our way from your total contract. That that would change a lot for some some players. Um, but the problem is, you know, I got like hard and it's like the next team's going to give it straight back to him anyway. So... Um, so, folks, here's my question to you then. Okay. So, say like, um, say Harden signs a three-year $90 million deal with you, right? And in year one, he wants out. Yeah. So, like, are you t- like, if you're the league and you're, and you're playing God here and you, and you can make the rule, would it be that automatically he's bought out, like, he wants to leave and you're like, okay, sign this document. What happens? Does he just get released and he can just go? Do you have to trade him? Like that's what's what? tough because then you're yeah. you're yeah you're limiting your leverage as a team to trade. If he says I want to go to Team X, that's what happens here in Australian rules football. These players nominate I want to be traded, but I only want to go to this team. It's like well, there goes our leverage. Like we can't get back our best deal because this team knows we have to move in there. So that and that's that was what, the genius. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem with the Philly thing, right? It's like. You know, that like, was the genius of it. Yeah. That was the genius of Daryl Morey. Like the guy knew that no other team would trade for him because they know that the guy wouldn't resign and he wanted to sign with Philly. So he knew that he was going to get him if it was now or it was three months from now or a year from He was going to get this guy. It was done. And that's, folks, I'm telling you, you can't stop that. You could stop the forcing out of town and not playing sort of thing. You could probably find guys, take their money back, their game checks for those games, but you're never going to lose the age old. I have leverage. I'm a superstar. I'm not talking about a 190th best player in the league. I'm talking about a top 10 guy. I've got leverage. I'm going to sign with the Lakers only. So you'd work out a trade with the Lakers or I'm just going to walk. You're fucked. No, I agree with that. I agree. With, and that's that's hard. And like I said, pat him on the back and his agent. They, they structured his contracts perfectly to have that leverage at all times. He's done it twice now. My, my point is more around the Simmons. It's like you've signed a five-year deal. Year one, you're like, I want out. That They're the one. They're the ones I'm talking about. Those shorter ones, you can't argue that – I mean, what the league can maybe say, okay, if you're a max guy, you can't sign anything less than a four-year or whatever it is. They might, they might play with that a little bit. I don't know. But it's those other ones, the five-year – and after a year, you want out. They're the ones that there needs to be a hard and fast rule that hurts that player if they – because the reason why I say you got to sign that document saying that you want out is because the last thing you want is a trade to happen and the player says, well, I didn't ask out. I'm not losing that 15% that I'm supposed to pay penalty. <laughs> you know, So that's what, that, what I meant by that document is you formally are asking us you want out on record. So then we'll go to market and try to trade you, and whether it be to a certain team or not. But that's my point. It's, it's those – it's those guys because, you know, like let's say Donovan Mitchell now signs a five-year deal and then he's like, I'm giving you guys a year to get this ship right and they don't and then he's out next season, right? It's just not – It's just not. it doesn't sit well with me. Some people it does. Some people don't give a shit. They're like, I'm supporting the player. Um, he should have every right to go where he wants. Um, and to an extent, yeah, that's what free agency is for. But sometimes you might – you know, we're, we're stuck in this world of like a player has three years left on their deal. They get traded somewhere they don't want to be. Oh, it's the end of the world. It's not. Like you're not you're not in the city you want to be, but you still have a shitload of money. You still play NBA basketball, suck it up for two or three years, and then go sign what you want. That's that's what's been lost. It's like, no, 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 I want it now. 
I want to go where I want to go now. Well, you're under contract, dude. Like, and if you want to, if you want to get out of that contract, there needs to be ramifications that it's not all positive for you just because you're a player. And I think that's where the leverage has gone just too much to the players. I think 50 50 is always where you want to be with everything. At this point, I think it's 80, 85, you know, percent in favor of the players because they, like I said, when's the last time you've heard, you know, John Wall's probably an example, like, but he's still getting paid. Um, the last example of, of a player not getting what they wanted in these situations, the Harden situations, the, you know, you just don't hear it very often. It's, it's generally going, um, at least in the max guys now, on the other side of the coin with their min guys, non-guaranteed guys, they all get screwed. So I guess you could argue then maybe it balances out, you know, the, the league screwing over those low low totem pole guys and then the the stars screw, you know, the league back. It probably should be the other way around when you when you consider finances. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the hard and fast rule change will be, but it's just good to have this discussion. I'd love to hear what some of you um, listeners out there think would be a a good rule change for that circumstance where a player signs a five-year deal and wants out after a year. How do they? How do we facilitate that? What are the penalties? Should it be allowed? Period. Should it be no? We're going to sit you. Um, you know what Maury almost did would have been historical in 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 NBA terms, where you're sitting a max player and letting him rot and not not playing him. That would have been real interesting if that went down that way because that might have changed something. But we didn't get to that point. Next one, pro. Don't want to touch on this too briefly, but. I want to touch this briefly, not not too in detail, but LeBron on record is willing to leave the Lakers to play with his son, Bronny. A few things here. Most likely, Bronny's going to be an NBA player, but how do we know he's going to be at the NBA level? That's the first first thing. Um, if you're a small market team, do you just go ahead and do this? Um, you sign LeBron and bring Bronny in. You know, you might be a team that hasn't had much success Sacramento, if you weren't going this this rebuild route, do you do it? Do you do it if you're a Sacramento? Do you do it if you're New Orleans or someone like that? Bring some, get some bums on seats out of the arena. Um, but there's a lot of moving parts for this to happen, and you just there's no way. Surely the Lakers don't do it, pro. First and foremost, surely we can scratch them off the list with all this bullshit going on. It wouldn't surprise me if they did, but surely. Uh, whoa, 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 what? You're gonna scratch the Lakers off the list with everything going on? Come on. Folks, are you mm. serious? <laughs> Too much credit. I mean, come on. This is like this is like the 930th most fucked up thing the Lakers would do this month. Forget <laughs> about it. That's easy. Yeah, you draft a kid. And I tell you this, too. I will tell you this. There's no way that a Sacramento would draft him and that guy and LeBron would ever go there. And I don't and don't look, the kid's a fucking cajillionaire, right? Like, if he gets drafted, say, 26, right, and he goes to, say, Sacramento, and Sacramento takes him first round, second round, whatever they take him, then he'll be represented by Clutch. He won't report. He doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't. He has all the money in the world. It ain't like he's, he's, yeah, he's yeah, living yeah. check to check. And then until you trade him into, to the team he wants to go to, no doubt that will happen, a thousand percent. So I think the Lakers are going to – I think they're going to break this team up soon anyway. I think – I think within 18 months, I think both those guys are going to be gone. I think LeBron, I think LeBron and AD will probably be gone, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm just interested to see how this Bronny thing works out because it's really, it's, it's, you know, racking my brain around it. Like it's a lot of moving parts for that to happen. But if anyone can do it, it'll be God, LeBron. They'll force it. Look, folks, that's the blueprint about this whole league now, especially with Clutch. Do they'll sit out? They don't care. 
like I said, if this kid was like, like Josh Giddy, right? I don't know what Josh Giddy was making salary wise, whatever. Like yeah. he can't really afford to like sit out. He could play wherever. Like, but if they draft you, they got your rights. You can't, you know, I guess you could just play somewhere else. You could play overseas, but like this kid has all the money in the world. He doesn't care. He'd probably rather play video games and pick up anyway. It doesn't matter. Like until it's until, until he gets to the new team, but they'll just sit him out. They'll say, look, first of all, He's not going to report to you. Second of all, I, you'll never get a free agent from me ever. So yeah. let's trade him to Team X or Y. Let's stop the nonsense, and then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll be fine. And that's that's exactly how that thing will work out. So he'll go where LeBron wants him to. If LeBron's still in LA, he'll be in LA. If LeBron wants to go to New York, he'll go to New York. So that's how I see it going. Yeah, it's, it's fair enough. Um, it's more probably a discussion about. The poison that clutch is in the NBA and these bigger agencies. Even the bigger agencies back in the day didn't do this kind of shit. It's a whole different, whole different ball game right now, and that's that's a podcast series you could probably do with fifty episodes. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't get to that. But the LeBron Bronny thing will be a first in sports history, pro sports history, I believe, and um, at least in NBA history. And it'll be interesting to see if that if that gets pulled off, and if it does, we'll, we'll be watching and talking about it. All right, Thibs. Tom Thibodeau, New York Knicks. We spoke about Cam Reddish potentially helping them um, as a shooter. Anyway, Thibs wasn't a fan. Didn't want the Knicks to trade for him. So in reply to that, he has received four DNPs and the rest of his 6.9 minutes have been in garbage time. Um, The reason why I bring this up is you're Cam Reddish. Be careful what you wish for in the NBA, pro. It can be a cold world. He went from a half-decent role in Atlanta, wasn't playing as much as he thought he should have, was playing – um, to now go on a team that's just as bad, if not worse, record-wise, and not playing at all pro. Folks, it's simple. You either, you're either a big-time player or you're not. And if you're not a big-time player, like Cam Riddish is, he's not a big-time player. He's barely sort of you know, surviving in the league. You, like you said a, a few minutes ago, you put your head down, you work hard, you you put your numbers up, you get you get better as a player, and then you can dictate a little bit more of what you do. Like you're dictating trade now. You're like second year in the league. You can't make a shot. Like what have you done? You haven't had anything of an NBA career. You're just you're just holding on for dear life, and you demand a trade, and then you go to a guy that doesn't want to play you. I've seen these situations, folks. When I was in Boston. When we got Vin Baker, the coach really didn't want him, you know, want to trade for him. He ended up trading for him and never ran a play to him. I'm like, Vin Baker's like a 20 and 10 guy. We don't run one play to him on the block. Like, it's funny, but he didn't want him. And now it's not that. It wasn't just that. But if you go to a, like, you know, the, like, every situation in the NBA, there's always something, right? One thing, two things, three things that's fucked up about the situation for a player. At least you know the evils you're dealing with in Atlanta. Like, you know the good and the bad, but you have a role. Like, they, but now New York's not invested in you. Like, Atlanta was invested in you. They drafted you. They put the work into you. They developed you. Once you start getting traded, I've been down this road a thousand fucking times and I've seen it. And I've told players this when you're at your first place and they draft you and they put money into you, they're going to, they're going to really want you to, to succeed because A, they get you on the cheap. Be like they want to see a draft pick do well. So they want to see you do well. You go to the next team and you're not really a front runner. You're not a big time player where they really wanted you in the trade. 
and you were just basically a, a throw in, a salary dump, whatever you were, you you don't know what's all going. You don't know what's behind door number two. You know what's behind door number one. You know the good, the bad, and the ugly. But at least you knew the situation and they invested money into you. Now you go to a coach. That coach, Tibbs doesn't give a fuck. If he likes you, he loves you. If he doesn't, he doesn't. He won't play you. And the, the front office does not fuck with him as far as his lineups. He can do whatever he wants. And if he doesn't want to play you, he will not play you. Yeah, so, just, just interesting. Careful what you wish for. And I thought a player that probably could have helped them a little bit, but yeah, Tibbs things otherwise, and they're starting to play a little bit better. Patrick Beverly never forgets, bro. Did you see this little no. this little nice uh, comment he put out on <laughs> social media post? I um, think so. Well, so I guess I guess back in the day, two three years ago, Beverly and uh, Westbrook used to have their little run-ins, right? Um, Beverly would be up in his grill picking him up full court. They there was that one time where I think he hurt he his, his knee, knee out, right? Yeah, yeah, before a timeout, and Westbrook was quoted as saying that basically Patrick Beverly fools everybody with all his antics. He, all he does is run around and, and trick everyone like he's playing hard, right? So Patrick Beverly put a, a post out today, oh no, a couple of days ago, <laughs> said, I remember when somebody said, all I do is run around and trick y'all. Well, my boy is a real magician this year. <laughs> uh, like Good that. shit. I like it. I like it. I like the banner. They've got, I don't know, I doubt they're friendly, but they've got a, they've got a real good rivalry going. Obviously, Westbrook's the better player overall. But Beverly's one of those guys that he knows who he is and just kind of try to get in the guy's heads and niggle. But uh, I thought that was pretty clever. And just to finish on the shenanigans in the NBA, Kevin Porter Jr. Pro, our, our soup-throwing favorite player out there in Houston, scored a basket for his own team late in the game. Um, I don't know if you saw the highlight of it, but five seconds dribbling, uh, five seconds were dribbling down. He grabbed the rebound at the opposition basket or ended up with the ball at the free throw line, turned and like pretended to throw it off the ground, to throw it off the backboard to do – I don't know what the hell he was thinking, but throws it off the ground and the ball goes in. <laughs> and it counted. So he, he scored for the other team. And, yeah, man, I, I think this kid, like you said, he's, he's very close to just ended up in, in – he's, he's one more <laughs> non-guaranteed away from being out of the league, in my opinion, in the next couple of years. Like it's just – the antics and the shenanigans. And and for some people might think, what's the big deal? He was just messing around. There's certain things you don't do and, and scoring for the other team is, is definitely on that list, bro. Yeah, and it's not just this. It's like... Oh, yeah, with his resume. Third. With his resume, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is like... This is an ongoing thing with him. And look, like we had... Remember Ricky Davis? Like Ricky Davis was a lot better player than Kevin Porter. Don't get me wrong. Like Ricky Davis is a really good player. And Ricky Davis is like the same way. But look, they put up with it as long as you could, you're could. you putting up numbers. So, but teams will put up with it. But like, he's not a great player. He's a good player and everything. He's okay. But no one's going to put up with this shit ongoing like this. Did you see the coach? Did you see Toronto's coach? Like, he's like, count it, count it. <laughs> yeah, did he count it? Did he score for us? Oh, it was great. It was Nick Nurse was funny with that. But yeah, it's just another fucking thing. It's another fucking feather in his cap. It's just, he's going to be out of the league and, and then he's going to start like, you know, he'll find God or whatever he's going to do. And he's like, oh, no, I've, I've changed. And no one's going to give a fuck. No one's going to give him a chance. You only have so many chances in this league before, like, everybody just says, you know what? Um, we're passing. It's tough. It's, it's unfortunate. But it happens. 
Yeah, it is pretty silly though, but something you just don't see very often. I think it's Ala, the, the Ricky Davis triple-double where he threw it off the backboard to himself. This is probably the next best thing. NBL quick, quick wrap. Uh, Melbourne United Championship favourites, in my opinion, at the moment, if they hold on a top spot and, and secure home, home court, they'll be very tough to beat. Um, I didn't have them picked. I think I had them picked fifth or fourth. Um, I didn't think they'd be that, that good this quick, but underestimated the fact that they have numerous Olympians on that roster. They have an import spot up their sleeve to use. It is their championship to lose, Pro. I'm putting the mozzer on them. It's their championship to lose at this point. Um, uh-huh. So pressure on Melbourne United, but they are, they're playing very, very well. Delhi's starting to come into his own. Had a really good game last night. So I think they're, they're the championship favorites. I think Perth's up there. Sydney's in the mix um, just outside of the four. Um, and Illawarra's floating in there. And then Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. So there's, you know, it's a very, very close year. Your jack jumpers were in the top four, albeit for a couple of minutes. Um, ah. but pro, you know, they were in the top four, but they're Tasmania. back down. Yeah, they're, they're in the mix. Um, I, I doubt they make it. I highly doubt they make it. If they do, congratulations to them. But uh, that, but just the fact that they're in the mix and in the conversation is sensational. Uh, biggest disappointment so far, Adelaide 36ers let another game slip the other night. They were up up pretty handily in, in the fourth quarter and – and just spewed the game up and lost um, a bad turnover by McCarran late in that game, and they end up uh, end up losing. And they're, they're a very very talented roster. They've been up and down with COVID and lineups and their coach and this and that. But everyone's dealing with the same shit for the most part. They just can't get the wins together at the moment. Very talented roster though. Isaac Humphreys, I believe, their big fellow was in the G League for a couple of years, and and with Atlanta Hawks, I believe he's out for the year reportedly. So um, some some. Some injury issues again. I believe it's a knee. I'm not 100 percent sure on that one, but I think it's something to do with a knee or an ankle. Um, so he's out, and that's an NBL wrap. It's been it's actually been fun to watch. It's been very very close. It's been um, inconsistently hard to pick or consistently hard to pick, um, pro. So you just don't know who's going to win a game on any given night. And I think as a league, that's what you kind of want. So uh, we'll continue to watch that space. But let's get to our stats. Useful or useless? All right, pro. Demarcus Cousins with five games in Denver. This was a couple of nights ago. Four techs and one ejection. <laughs> useful, well, useless. Pretty useful. It just basically paints you a picture of his whole NBA career. <laughs> you know, just fucking, just can't, you know, can't get out of his own way. But it's fun. I mean, I don't know. I guess just one of those days, man. Might have, been, might have had a bad week. Might have had a bad week. Mm, yeah, no, he's he's a hothead at the best of times. But five games, four texts, and an injection—you you, got to you got to do better than that. And Malone is his guy, and he wants to try to look after him and make sure he stays in the league. And and he can help him to an extent. You know, they could use him. Um, like we've said with most teams, it's just a matter of you just can't just can't figure it out. As far as that conversation we had earlier, you got to you got to figure out a different role for yourself. Now you're not going to be that Demarcus Cousins that was with New Orleans. Can't he or, be Bolban? Like. Can you just like call Boban up in Dallas and say, "Look, how do you still how do you stay in the league being 19 feet tall and barely being used, but like, you know, like people want you on their team? Just take notes from him, you know." Oh, it's kind of an extreme. That's like going from (laughs) that's one extreme to the other. Boban's like the exact opposite. Like he wouldn't say a bad word about anyone. You could punch him in the face. Exactly. You punch him in the face, and he he shake your hand and thank you. That would be a good reality show, those two guys be, uh, hanging out together, though. But, like, that's the thing. Like, look, centers are – are they're done. Centers in this league are basically done unless you're an elite-level center. So you – like, especially a guy like Cousins who's not a defender who could score but has this attitude issue, like, 
he's got to figure out how am I going to stay in the league? He's already been on like 11 teams. I don't know the number. I'm just guessing. But like, like he's only got to stick. I guarantee you, you know, five, you know, four texts and an injection in five games ain't going to keep you on that team very long. And how many more teams are going to give you a chance? So you got to figure out how to stick. You know, we talked about the JaVel McGee thing and how he figured it out. Like he, his, Demarcus's career of doing what he did is over, but he could still stick, like you said, because like he's still a little bit useful, you know, game in and game out. Like once in a while, he could be useful for you, especially, you know, like mismatches. He could score in the post a little bit. You could bring him off the bench. But like his career doing what he did before is done. So the his re, his new reality is like being this, you know, used every two or three games type of guy. And he's got to change his re- mentality. But let's be honest, that ain't going to happen. No, it ain't. But this might be the last team that gives him a chance. Malone will be the last one for sure. It'll, yeah. it'll be over for him if he, if he screws this up or they move him on. I doubt it will be back. But uh, John Embiid has something to say about that center position pro. You had 40, 14, and 10 today against uh, Cleveland. I caught a bit of the highlights earlier on in the background. He was running the fast break a few times, throwing dimes. So. Not dead, but yeah, you're you're right. He's at the elite level. No, the so. elite, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the elite yeah. level centers are fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, he's. I think it's down to Jokic and um, and him for the MVP, in my opinion. I think um, those two are having phenomenal years. Dejounte Murray, the other night, thirty-two, ten, and fifteen with four steals, eleven of eighteen from the field. The first thirty, ten, and fifteen triple double in Spurs franchise history. That's with fifteen assists. And he also just broke the franchise record for most triple doubles in franchise history with 15, which was David Robinson. So that's a, that's a pretty small number for triple doubles, 15, I think. For, I don't know what the average would be for franchises, but um, that just goes to that pop ball of everyone everyone cheering his caring basketball. But uh, useful or useless stat, bro? Pretty useful. I mean, it, I mean, he, he hasn't played very long. I think he's like, what, what, six years in or seven years in? And the guy's already got you know, the, the record for triple doubles and he's put up these big numbers. It's, you know, I'm not a big, like it's the first 30, 10, 15, five triple double in NBA history. Like I'm not big on those types of numbers, but the, you know, the whole 15 triple doubles is pretty good. Um, yeah, franchise I don't know, I'm going to change it. Yeah. yeah franchise I, leader. Yeah. What do you think both? I, you know, I I'm going to change it. Yeah. I think it's useful just because uh, not so much the th- – I'm, I'm not like the whole f- first 30, 10, and 15. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool, whatever. Because um, you could then say it's the first 30, 10, and 15 with five free throws. You, you just continue this yeah. on this path, you know what I mean? Um, right. But I think the fact that he's already at, you know, franchise record with triple doubles passing David Robinson, I think that's pretty impressive for a young guy five, six, seven years in the league. So – I think they've got a stud there and he, he continues to get better and he surprised me a lot. I think he's made a huge, huge jump this year. Um, and they've got at least they've got a piece that they can see. You can see their kind of um, MO of what they're going to be building around in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. It is it is pretty useful in that sense. I'm not a big like all the, you know, triple-double kind of guy because as we talked about before about, you know, players, you know, I'm not saying he does it, but you could just be one of those players who chase triple-doubles. But it says a lot about him. It says a lot about, look, he, he's an all-star. He built himself into this. It wasn't like he was a top three or top four pick. You know, it's it's not that easy to be an all-star when you picked a little later. I think it was in the mid-first, maybe late lottery. And um, I'm not sure exactly where he got selected. But, 
he's um, it, it says a lot. It it does says it say a lot as far as he hasn't played in the league a while and he's already got this. It's pretty good. It's good for him. I agree. And we'll watch his journey. Julius Randle, last four games, pro 28, 16, and 7, 28, 10, and 6, 36, and 5, 32, 16, and 7. And they claimed a scalp at Golden State within that mix. Is it useful or useless to tell us that he's turning the corner, pro? Uh, useless in that regard. It doesn't mean that he's turning the corner because he put up four good games in a row. Um, he's a talented kid. It's a hell of a number to put up. It depends on what you ask on that number, though. Like, like is that impressive? Yes, that's useful that the guy could play. He can play. He's a borderline all-star player that could put up numbers. Uh, is he a great player? I don't know. But it's not that easy to do that either. You know me, I sit on fences. I go back and forth. I say it's useful. I mean, it's four. That's, those, are, those are four hell of a fucking game. Yeah, it's a useful The guy stretch, is a talented player. But they, yeah. they still suck. They're 2-8 in their last 10. Yeah. It's not relating too much to wins, even though they got a big scalp in Golden State, which even surprised me. Twenty-five and thirty-two, they're twelfth in in the East. So, yeah, he needs more of those runs with a few other guys stepping up for them to have any chance to be back in the playoffs. There's no excuse why they should not be in, in the in the even in the playoffs, in my opinion. But it, definitely in the playing ten, they should. Be, they need to be in there because this is a very very big letdown year. When you look at who's above them, you know. Um, the Wizards are above them, for God's sake. So they they are they have some work to do there. Um, one show, Herman Gomez, pro, has been traded five times the last few years. No international player has been traded more. He's currently tied with Rubio, Mozgov, and Stauskas for the most traded international player of all time, pro. He's, he's one away, useful or useless. Uh, and do you think he gets it? <laughs> Does he get it? Uh, yeah, he'll get it. He'll get traded again. Um, he gets thrown in so many deals, man. It's just crazy. Yeah, it, you, you know, it's useless, and I'll tell you why. I think he's an okay player. I think when he gets an opportunity, he plays well. Um, I've been around him when he was in Minnesota, and he was a pretty good guy, actually. And I think he's a good player. But, like, in Minnesota, he had a pretty good role. He got traded. He got traded, like, you know, I forgot when he went there, but he actually played pretty well in his role that he played there. I think he came in the Malik Beasley deal and he was okay. And then he goes to Boston and he never fucking plays. I don't understand. I didn't understand that one. I forgot if he was the one that was in Charlotte or Denver. I think he was in Denver. Cause he was in Charlotte too, I think. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And like, he's a good player, but sometimes you just, you're in a situation where they're not going to use you. It doesn't matter. Like you can make 93s in a row and workouts and kill everybody in practice. And they're still not going to play you for one reason or another. I don't know why. I haven't heard he's a bad guy. He's a decent player. He knows what he's doing. Um, I'm not saying he's a starter or anything. I think he's an okay end of your rotation kind of guy. You know, maybe, maybe upwards of the end of your bench. I just don't understand it. I don't think, but sometimes you're just not in the right spot. And then the, your, your salary they just say, fuck it, we're going to throw you in a deal. And like I said, once you start getting traded, sometimes it's just it's a slippery slope. You just keep getting traded. I, but I haven't heard he's a bad guy. And sometimes you just don't get the chance that you should get. And I thought it, he would have got a chance in San Antonio, but I was wrong there too. Um, useless, because I don't think he's an ass. Like If you said DeMarcus Cousins, I understand why DeMarcus Cousins has been on fucking 2017. I get that. <laughs> I don't get why this guy hasn't been – 
I think he's just been thrown in, victim of circumstance. And you're right. Sorry, I was I was wrong. It was Willie that was winning that in Charlotte. So it was, we'll correct ourselves, pro, as we do. But um, yeah, I think I think it's just victim of circumstance. He, he seems to be second, third piece of every trade that he's kind of been in the last three or four years, and that, that's just the unfortunate reality of the NBA. Sometimes it's you. I think Luke Ridden now got traded like didn't he get traded four times in in, in twelve days or something one year. Dude, <laughs> Brendan Haywood got traded. Brendan Haywood and Billy Curley are two guys that got tra- draft traded like three or four times on draft day. Like on draft day, he just kept on like like drafted by this team, then traded, and then traded again, and then traded again. Like I forgot the number, but both of those guys got traded multiple times on draft day. Crazy. Like they were on three teams before they even like got out of the fucking green room. It was, yeah, it's it insane. Was, it was insane. That's a great number, though, folks. That was a good one. I like that one about yep. the trade stuff. All right, so this, this isn't really useful, useless. I just wanted to pick your brain. I don't know if you've got a list in front of you. Hopefully, you're not looking at it. But who would you say right now is leading the league in scoring? Steph Curry? No, Kevin Durant. No, Joel Embiid, 29.4. Who do you think is leading the league in rebounding? I'd probably say Gorbert. He's been high all year. He is. Bingo, 15.07 rebounds, assists. Uh, Chris Paul? Chris Paul, 10.62. Brooke Lopez is reading – I'll give you that one because that one will be hard in, huh. in, in blocks because you wouldn't get that one, but I think really small sample size, hasn't played a lot. Steals, a name we just discussed Chris, earlier. Chris Paul. DeJounte Murray, 2.06. Okay. And PER or PER, which is supposed to be everything positive you do accumulated. Mo Bamba. <laughs> <laughs> Nikola Jokic, 32.48. I just thought I'd mention some of these. They're just some of our leaders in the NBA. Um, Embiid kind of caught me by surprise, but he's having a hell of a year. Like I said, just just dropped 40, 14, and 10. So having a hell of a season. I'm interested to see if his usage goes down a little bit with uh, with James there, pro. So that'll be that'll be fun to watch. But uh, let's get into the fact or fake news and then hit the hay. Folks, no trade by the Lakers. Paints. So the question is, fact or fake news? The no trade by the Lakers paints a picture about their roster and, you know, in their roster and also sort of sails the fate of LeBron Davis as far as those guys being there long term, as far as what the Lakers are going to do. So try to explain that so, so, you know, the, yes. the people out there can understand it with their headphones on and speakers on pro. Yeah, my fault. I, I, I fucked up. So, like, <laughs> Does the Lakers make no trade? Okay. Does that does that paint a picture of their roster, not counting LeBron and Davis? Does it paint a picture of their roster being that bad? And does it also seal the fate of LeBron James being with the organization long term as far as you know moving him along, sort of him getting to another team and him being with the Lakers long term. So is he contracted next year? What's his contract? So he signed a two oh he signed a two year eighty basically eighty five million dollar deal. So next year he'll be thirty seven. He makes forty four million and he'll be an unrestricted free agent um after Following. next year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how he gets out. I mean someone will surely take him um expiring deal and he'll be able to he'll be that James Harden boat of dictating where he wants to go. Um but I think it seals a fate. Fact. I mean, I just don't know where, but that Lakers roster is not getting it done. I mean, I would, I would not, I would not rule out Cleveland, bro. I know people have floated this. Yeah. I would not rule out a homecoming 
to sail off into the wind. Uh, whether they do the Bronny thing, whether that plays in, in, into it, what we discussed earlier, but that young roster with a LeBron, yeah, I mean, you, you like what you see there, length, size, athleticism, shooting, yeah, they've got a really good mix. So that could that could happen. I don't see him really going anywhere else. Um, but maybe he just stays in LA, continues to, to to live in the sunshine and doesn't really care too much if he doesn't get another chip. Who knows? But um, I would say fact. I think their fate is sealed. Whether he stays or not, I'll say the fate of the Lakers is sealed. They're not they're not winning another championship, um, at least with LeBron there, pro. I agree with that, Bogues. I think that it just sort of definitely paints a picture of that team not being very good. Uh, not really, can't really, can't get into the top six. Forget about the top eight, you know, top four, top two. They can't get into the top six in the West. They're done as far as that that's concerned, in my opinion. Um, I think that LeBron James, he got one more year, so he might ride it out and become an unrestricted free agent. Here's what I'm doing if I'm the Lakers today or tomorrow, like this summer. I'm going to ask LeBron James, say, look, do you, do you want us to pair you up with another superstar? Because he's not going to go to, he's only going to go to a few places. He's not going to go to like fucking Miami or, you know, Miami probably won't take him. Or he's not going to go to like fucking um, Oklahoma City or something. You know what I'm saying? So what I would ask him, I said, I'd try to pair him up in Boston, to be honest. Say, look, would you want to go to Boston? We'll, we'll pair you up with Tatum. We'll ask Boston for like Al Horford in, in, a, in a package that centers around Brown um, from Boston. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking down, I'm taking back Brown and I'm taking back like Horford. And then I'm going to probably look to deal Anthony Davis to either New York with a, a package that centers around RJ Barrett. Maybe I'll take back what's his name as well. Julius Randle, if they would take it and then at least get some assets going forward that way, or even try to deal Anthony Davis for our boy Gorbear in Utah, you know, and at least get a couple of pieces back that I could use. But I think they're done. They can't make any more moves. They can't trade Westbrook. So you got to deal with his deal for a couple more years. You know, like LeBron's going to, LeBron will probably stay because he wants to be in LA and you can give him whatever. But that, I don't think he wants to stay because he wants to win. So you can't do anything there. So deal LeBron to a team that he actually wants to go to. Maybe he doesn't want to be in Boston, but he gets to play with him. You know, he gets to play with Tatum, LeBron, Robert Williams. Maybe you take back Smart as well, but maybe Smart stays. I'm dealing. I'm dealing both those guys, and I'm just moving on. Let those guys move on too. You know, I think Anthony Davis would play in New York. I think he would want the Utah thing. Put him up with Donovan Mitchell. That those are deals that I think might work. I don't know if they would, but you know, in Cleveland as well, like Kevin Love's contract, and you take back. You know, you take back Colin Sexton. You know, maybe you take back the big kid from USC that they just drafted. I don't know who you take back, but like LeBron to Cleveland, I was thinking about that today. Maybe that does make sense. So that's something they can do. But I'm definitely dealing those two guys. They're yeah, done, no, no. and they got no other pieces that you could trade to get anything back for. Yeah, I mean, you were begging Boston for Taylor Horton Tucker for Josh Richardson, and uh, you were going to give Horton and a first round pick. It's crazy. So they got no value in their roster besides those two guys. That's the only thing you can do. And I, and I don't know how long LeBron's going to want to stick around if you're not competitive. So you could trade Anthony Davis, but what are you going to get for Anthony Davis that's going to put you in the title, you know, the title hunt? What are you going to do for Anthony Davis that will put you in the top four in the West hunt? So that's what I'm thinking. So I, I, I don't think 
I, I think it does fail to say, uh, seal their fate. I say it's fact. All right, folks, with giving away white and a uh, white basically for a first round pick, San Antonio is basically going to be a lottery bound team for the foreseeable future. Fact, yeah, I think they will be. I think they'll, even if they do scratch the playoffs, it'll be late planes slash planes. So I think they, they get, they're in that rebuild mode now, you know. Talking about Dejounte Murray and a few other guys that they could develop quicker than anyone could have hoped, and they get a few pieces here and there. You never know; you never count them out. But I think they're they're going full rebuild through the draft, and they have to. This the Spurs are not signing premier top tier free agents ever. <laughs> Just not going to happen. They're not getting a top ten, top fifteen elite guy. Um, so I think they have to rebuild through the draft, and this is the way the Spurs like to do things. So. Um, they haven't had a lull like this for a long, long time, you know. So this is this is. I know they draft well, but they usually draft well whilst they're good. Um, now the pressure's on. You got to draft well with the pressure to, to get someone that can come and cause an impact for your um, for your franchise. So I think that is fact. Yeah, I think it's fact as well. I mean, look, like you said, like they've always had the Duncan Parker Ginobili deal that they could just rearrange their roster, pick up guys here and there. And then they they started dealing, you know, they deal George Hill to get uh, the rights to, you know, Kawhi Leonard, and and they were just they kept on moving pieces, and they were always competitive. Now they don't have those pieces. They got one All Star on the roster. The rest of their young guys are just okay. Uh, you're not getting anything for them. They've had a ton of cap room this past summer, and they only came around, away with like Doug McDermott, which I like, but I mean he's a good serviceable, you know, you know, fourth or fifth option, you know, and then you get you, you know. They had, you know, they had the DeRozan deal for a while, and they lost him, and they didn't really get much back. Total, they got, but they don't really have anything. They have, they don't, you know, the cap room's useless. It's like having cap room in Indiana, cap room in Sacramento. You know, nobody really wants to go there unless you're really competitive, and they're not competitive. You know, right now, I mean, look, it's, they're not a joke or anything. And the problem with them, Bogues, is they're not drafted in the top five anymore. So it's not like. The, the year before they got Duncan, where they were really bad and had a chance to get Duncan, they got him, and then they could rejuvenate the whole ro- you know franchise. They don't have that, so you're not going to get it through the you know free agency. You're not you're going to be drafted in probably like at best you'd be drafted at eight or nine unless you get lucky in the lottery. You'd be drafted at eight or nine, ten. You'll get a good player there, but not a great one unless you get lucky. It's going to be really hard for them to sort of get out and claw out. You know, and maybe they could get a 10 seed, but like now losing white for basically nothing, now they're even worse. So I don't see where that's going to lead to, you know, anything like they're not, I can't see them in the top eight, you know, in the West anytime soon. So yeah, they're going to have to draft, they're going to have to get even worse draft, you know, dr- you know, get a couple of drafts when they're in the top five. And then that's how they're going to sort of find their way out. You know, so I, I definitely say fact. I say they're they're definitely going to be a lottery team for foreseeable future. Folks, funniest fucking thing I saw, and it's you know, it's just it's just it's the it's just the whole media thing, right? Uh, Bobby Marks was on. He he does. He's like the cap guy, front office insider for ESPN. You know, he was breaking down the trade with um, you know Brooklyn and Philly, and that's all ESPN and all these other networks want. They want to see the they want to see trades, 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 trades. They want to see Harden and Philly and whatever. But then he goes on and said, it's, yeah, it took some balls. I'll, I'll give it to him. He made the statement saying that uh, James Harden's deal, his extension, which would be worth four years, $223 million, including like I think the fourth year is going to be 60 plus million that he's going to make. 
So he basically said that that deal will be the worst in NBA history. So, so here's the fact of fake news on that. Fact, you agree with Bobby Marks' statement that James Harden's extension will be the worst in NBA history. Um, if he yeah, if and when he signs it. So he has to, he has yeah. to obviously sign it with, um, with Philly when he gets there or in the offseason. Um, so what he's saying is within a year or two of that deal towards the end of it, it's going to be – it's going to be the worst deal in, the, in NBA history. Well, yeah, total, yeah, total deal will be the worst in NBA history, knowing that he's going to be 38 in his last year of his deal. Where Look, his body's diminished every year. You know, in the last few years, his body's diminishing. He looks a little slower. Obviously, he didn't want to be in Brooklyn just like he didn't want to be in Houston, so he, could have, he probably could have been faking it a little bit, um, wearing that fat suit like he did in Houston where he was like 2% body fat when he got to Brooklyn. Um. So do you think that that – so he signs a four-year 223 after next year or he signs it when he gets there, whenever, however, whenever this extension is going to get signed this summer. So, I will think, that be the worst deal in NBA history? So I will go fact that that last year of his deal will be the worst deal in NBA history, the last year of his deal. So it will be 60-odd million, 62 million, whatever it is for that final year. That's going to look horrible in a couple of years' time because he's going to be – He's not going to be the same James Harden. Um, and you don't fault him for getting that contract. You know, it is what it is. But there's going to be a point where it looks horrible because he's not going to be not going to be playable for 35 minutes. He's going to eat he's going to eat up most of your your cap. And this is all about win now for them. So they know that if they want Harden now for the next year or two where he's still really good, they're going to have to eat something on the on the tail end of it. And that's I think it I think it is fact that not for the whole so I'm not. I'm going to say not for the life of the deal, not for the total deal, but I think when we fast forward in two or three years' time, when we say, "Holy shit, he's earning this much going into this season," that's a bad deal. It'll be up there with one of the worst in NBA history. So I'll go fact on that one. Yeah, I'm going to say fake news just because if they could win a championship, and I agree with you, the way you're looking at it is at the end. I get it, but here's my thing: they need to do this. Right, it could get him a championship. It's the only way that it's going to get him a championship in Philly. I'm not sure if they will or not, whatever. But if he wins him a championship, say he goes to multiple NBA finals and they win him one championship at least, I think then I would eat the 66 million. Look, all these deals are tradable. You know, at some point, somehow you could find a way. There's enough picks where you could get the get it off your books. Also, folks, in two years, there'll be way worse deals signed than this one. So. By the time that these new deals are signed, you're going to forget about this deal a little bit. But yeah, you're going to be looking at a, a 38-year-old, you know, James Harden in 66. It's going to be really bad. But if he does what he needs to do in the next three years, you know, where he's probably going to be at a really high level for the next two or three years, if he could do what he does, then I don't care. I don't, I don't care. It's, it won't be the worst deal in NBA history because at least you'd win a championship out of it or two. Possibly. I agree with that. Chip pending, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. You you definitely overpay for one bad contract to get a chip within the next three years. Hundred percent agree with you. Um, so that'll be the kicker then. So no championship. It, it could be one of the worst in Oof, three years. Yeah, yeah, it is a big deal. So it's interesting. Everything else has come along with this, and and but look, maybe a motivated James Harden for for three years, if that's even possible. Um, will prove us all wrong. So, but yeah, let's just hope it all goes well, and let's hope that him and him and Joel Embiid get along. Um, wonder whose team it's going to be, pro. That's the big question, eh? Folks, the big question is like, you know, if you date a stripper, right? 
and she cheats on you. She cheated on her last eight boyfriends and you're dating her like, all right, he's, she's going to change for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like if this thing doesn't go perfect for him, he just wants out and he shuts down. So I yeah. just worry about that. But the one thing about this guy, I will give it to him. He fucking goes at it every night. He plays. I yeah. mean, he, he plays every night. Now, you may not like him. I don't like watching him play. But the guy is special in the sense that he can create points. He can pass. He's a matchup nightmare. And he is a really good player. And he brings it every night. But if it's not going his way, like, folks, 29 and 16, playing with one of the best scorers in NBA history with you and Kevin Durant with you. And then you also got Kyrie Irving, which would be a full time and you didn't like it there. And you're in Brooklyn. Yeah. It's crazy. How much better do you want it? Mm. How much better do you want it? That's a better situation than his Philly situation. Now, in my opinion, if healthy and, and, and without the Kyrie stuff. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Maybe KD, maybe the KD injury is worse than we think. You know, he was real maybe. coy. He was real yeah. coy on that uh, interview with with the TNT guys a couple of about a week ago with All Star selections where he wouldn't wouldn't give him an answer. So, and we know he's been banged up with the Achilles and whatnot. So who knows? Maybe maybe James knows something we don't, and he's like, <laughs> hey, how how funny, how funny was that? Oh my with, god, uh, with the LeBron thing where he left the two the uh, Harden for the last pick. And fucking Durant picked the other guy, and he sort of explained it like a GM would, and totally bullshitted. Yeah, I need another really big. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. And LeBron, give him credit. He's laughing his ass off. He's like, LeBron, hey, that's like LeBron. I've never seen LeBron do that in 15, 20 years, whatever. I've never seen LeBron have that type of a sense of humor. Yeah, I really enjoyed I, I, I really enjoyed watching him. Like, he's got a sense I of humor. You just don't see it a he lot. He does. I've but then heard, the, the loaded question, the <laughs> loaded question, uh, yeah. when he picked James, he's like, oh, is his hamstring all right? <laughs> oh, God, it's like, so man, good. It was, it was good. I, I actually enjoyed that. I enjoyed listening to LeBron. I thought that, that segment was great. Yeah. KD yeah. was kind of like half humorous and then on a whim, he'd go real dry. <laughs> Just yeah. Like, yeah, it was yeah. kind of weird, but no, that was that was sensational. I recommend anyone to go on, go on YouTube and Google that uh, the All Star selections um, because for those that don't know, Kevin Durant had the last the last pick, and it was out of Gobert and um, his buddy James Harden, and he he gave a whole spiel about why he needs a f- you know he could have had ten centers on the roster, he was still taking Rudy Gobert at that point, um, and he that did. So. Man. And then all the guys giving him shit. But uh, that wraps up this week, Pro. Thanks again. Episode 53 at Hoop Consultants for Pro. At Rogue Bugs on all your social media platforms. Continue to share this. And in about a couple of weeks' time, we'll have a pretty big uh, announcement as far as our our numbers and engagement. So I'm looking forward to that. And we'll see you next week. See you later, guys. Thank you. Appreciate you.